Shalom mishpocha. Shalom, family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word. It means family. <laughs> We're the mishpocha, the family with the Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people with the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile. It's finally come down to form one new man. Getting ready, mishpocha, to blow the grandest shofar or the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone everywhere to hear the good news. We want everyone everywhere to be red hot for the Messiah. My guest, Mike Shreve, he's been a guest several times before, but I have him on because he has done something that I don't know why it hasn't been done before, but I guess, uh, Mike, for such a time as this, uh, we're interviewing you on your brand new book, Powerful Prayers for Supernatural Results, and what Mike did is he researched the Bible for prayers that attracted identifiable supernatural results. And uh, I think the thing that triggered him at the beginning is the same thing that triggered me. Uh, and that was the, a, a, a booklet came out on a 32-word prayer from the Bible. It was called The Prayer of Jabez. And I don't know about you, Mike, but I was amazed at the number of people that not only read it and not only prayed the prayer, but had supernatural results. It is a powerful prayer, and it probably doesn't take 10 or 15 seconds to say it. And if you don't mind, I'd like to say it right now. Please. First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10, and Jabez said, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. And then the Bible says, so God granted him what he requested. That easy. Well, and you know, not only what that prayer caught my attention, and I might add the believer's attention worldwide, uh, but I had a friend that's now in heaven. His name was Kenneth E. Hagen. And Dr. Hagen uh, said on a number of occasions that there was a turning point in his life. And the turning point was that he picked two prayers from the book of Ephesians and prayed them over a thousand times. He said it wasn't a matter of the getting it into his intellect. You don't have to pray a prayer a thousand times to get it into your intellect. It was a matter of getting it into his spirit. And he attributes the great ministry that he had through those early days when he prayed those two prayers, which I might add are available on the Bible bookmark uh, that we're, we're making available with your brand new book, Powerful Prayers for Supernatural Results. Uh, but tell me about the book and the 10 prayers. Well, uh, the book is a compilation of the prayers that brought the most powerful supernatural response from God. Uh, of all the prayers we find in the Bible, there's 650 prayers plus in the Bible, 450 uh, uh, the Bible shows got an answer. But these are the most powerful prayers of all. Yeah, you researched the Bible for over two years just on this subject. Yes, I did. And uh, the key people featured in the book are Moses, Hannah, Solomon, Asa, Jehoshaphat, Elijah, Jonah, Hezekiah, 
and the early church. And then in the epilogue, we've got a number of prayers that changed the world forever. There's uh, about five to seven prayers featured in that last uh, chapter that had earth-shaking, worldwide, global impact. And uh, we need to claim those same prayers in our own lives. Now, for those that perhaps didn't hear our earlier interviews, uh, I just love what God did in your life. Here he is, a yoga instructor uh, at major universities, and they run a, a, a newspaper article about him. And a prayer group gets a hold of this article, and they said, I want to make Mike Shreve our project. So the whole prayer group was praying 24 hours a day, and Mike is just hitchhiking somewhere, and a member of the prayer group picks him up. Uh, tell me briefly how you came to the Lord, because I've heard it, but it's such a neat testimony. Well, Sid, it, it was divine sovereignty in action, because I was, as you say, teaching yoga at four universities. I was very deeply involved in New Age spirituality. I thought that article in the newspaper would simply increase my class attendance, I had no idea it would alert this prayer group to put me on their prayer chain. During the time they were soaking me with intercession, I get a letter from an old friend of mine telling me that he had been born again. He walked into church and heard an audible voice say, Jesus is the only way, and he said he was spiritually reborn. So that very day, I was praying all day long, show me, Lord. And this is going to be a key phrase. I was saying, show me the right way to get to God. Show me the right way to have a personal experience with God. Show me your power. Show me, give me some kind of supernatural revelation. All day long, from 3.30 in the morning till 5.30 that afternoon, I was asking God to show me his power and show me the right way to get to him. Well, that afternoon, uh, one of the members of the prayer group was walking out into a laundromat, and the Holy Spirit spoke to him not to go in there, but to get back in his van and start driving. He had no idea what direction God wanted him to go. He didn't know that two miles away I was standing on the side of the road hitchhiking. I opened the door to the van when he pulled over and looked in and saw a picture of Jesus on the ceiling of the van, and so I knew this is my answer. I've been praying all day long if Jesus was the only way he would reveal it to me. Well, uh, he discovers that I'm the man his prayer group has been praying for for a month. And so we discuss the Bible for a few minutes, and then we go to our knees. I knelt down with him in the back of the van and gave my heart to the Lord Jesus, and I was truly born again. And that afternoon, I went back to one of my yoga classes and told them unknowingly I had misled them and that Jesus really is the only way. And all that week, I dismissed all of my classes, shut down my yoga ashram, and immediately got into the work of the Lord. But then, after you became a believer, there were still some areas you, you just were troubled over, and you had a supernatural dream. Well, that's right. In fact, in the beginning of the book, uh, Powerful Prayers for Supernatural Results, I feature Moses' prayer. Uh, after uh, the people had uh, created a golden idol, a calf, and worshiped it. He went up into the mountain and prayed. He's frustrated with the people. He's seeking God. And he says, Lord, show me your way. If I wait, wait a second. That's what you prayed. 
Yeah. You prayed the same thing that Moses did. That was a, that's a powerful prayer. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And, and then he said, show me your glory. Two things he said, show me your way and show me your glory. Well, I had been praying that, and that led me up to this salvation experience, but I was still having this huge mental battle over whether or not the Bible was actually God's inspired Word. And God gloriously revealed Himself to me in such a way that it calmed my doubts forever. About, I suppose it was about two weeks after I found the Lord. Uh, one night I had this dream where the Lord came to me, and He was so radiant. There was such a brilliance of light coming from him, I could not even make out his eyes or the features of his face. But then all of a sudden, he disappeared, and in his place was an open book. And I immediately noticed the print on the book was not English. And though I was not familiar with Hebrew that much at the time, I intuitively knew it was Hebrew. And the thing that was really significant about this open book in Hebrew is it was pulsating with an irregular pulsation like a heartbeat. And every time it pulsated, a river of light poured off the pages into my heart. And I woke up startled, and I could still feel this river of light pouring into my soul. And I knew that that open book was the Bible. And from that point forward, I never had this intellectual hurdle to get over again, that it was just compiled by the individual writings of people over 1,500 years, and it could not have been inspired. No, I knew it was inspired after the Lord God Almighty came to me. And I believe it was because I prayed, just like Moses prayed, show me your way and show me your glory. And the Lord came to him and and passed by and proclaimed the name of the Lord to him and hit him in the cleft of the rock. And really, in a spiritual sense, that's what happened to me. Uh, God laid his hand on me, opened my spiritual understanding, and then put me down in the cleft of the rock. In a sense, I was embedded in the rock of ages, my Savior, my Redeemer, my Lord, from that point forward. Well, the last time that you were on our show... Uh, you shared a prophecy, and boy, was this accurate. Uh, you said that during uh, the presidency of President Obama, that there would be the greatest proliferation of nuclear bombs and weapons the world has ever seen. I mean, you could not have been more accurate in that word. Yes, and... Uh... Uh, it certainly has happened, and the ironic thing about it is that's the opposite of the platform he ran on when he ran for office. And it is setting the stage for some horrific things in the last days, but that's all the more reason God's people need to learn how to pray in such a way and approach God in such a way that they can be prepared for whatever comes on this earth. Uh, well, tell me on, uh, say, Moses' prayer, the one we were talking about, and, and I love it the way you have your teaching nuggets. We have uh, CDs with the teaching on it. Uh, and and t uh, tell me who this prayer would benefit. Well, this prayer, of course, uh, is primarily relating how Moses had this personal experience, this personal encounter with the glory of God. But I want a personal encounter with the glory of God. And I guarantee you, 
anyone listening to this radio broadcast wants an encounter with the glory of God. So how come it happened to Moses? What approach did he use that captured God's heart and brought that response? Well, first of all, I give four points in the book, that there's four PowerPoints in that prayer. The first PowerPoint is where he says, Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me your way. And so when I come to God, I should say, Lord, if you really have poured out your grace on my life, and if I am saved by grace, then show me your way. Let that be the confirmation of heaven that I've truly been saved. Let me walk in your will and reveal your will to me. And then he says that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight. And then number two, the second PowerPoint, he said, consider that this nation, he's speaking about Israel, and he says, consider that this nation is your people. They belong to you in essence. And and I think the second thing that we should emphasize, if we're patterning our prayer after Moses, when we come to God say, Lord, I'm not just any human being. I belong to you. I'm your purchased possession. We're in a relationship. We're in covenant with each other. I belong to you. And I believe that captures God's heart when we realize that. And then I love point number three. The third thing that Moses emphasized, he said, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Don't take us into the promised land. In other words, he was saying because it's not going to benefit us at all if your presence doesn't go with us. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So shall we be separate from all the people upon the face of the earth. And I think that's something we should emphasize when we pray, that, Lord, having your presence in my life is infinitely more important than having all these other things I pray for and need, a new car, a new house, a better job. If your presence doesn't go with me in that new car, in that new house, in that new job, I don't want to go. And so that convinces God that he is on the throne in our lives and that his presence is more important to us than what he can give. And that, that's what it means when the Bible says, seek his face, not his hand. My people which are called by my name will seek my face. It's being caught up with him not just what he can do. And then the fourth PowerPoint in Moses' prayer is where he says, I beseech you, Lord, show me your glory. And uh, the greatest experiences I've ever had in my life were when the glory came down, when the glory of God invaded a meeting. And uh, uh, like the time I was hit by lightning in the pulpit, the glory of God rushed in that tent. Uh, It was amazing. It was amazing. Tell, tell me really briefly about the glory of God rushing in the tent. Well, uh, it, Hurricane Hugo had come up the coast of North Carolina, and there was a horrible thunderstorm that was just about to blow our tent away. I was standing near the center pole of the tent. Lightning hit the pole, ran down the pole, and hit me. And to this day, when I preach in that area, I have people come up to me and say, I was there the night you lit up in the pulpit. And it, it was a very... Um, difficult and challenging thing to go through. But that the lightning hit me in my hand, knocked the microphone about 30 feet out of my hand, and then shot through my body and went out into the ground. And I really felt like I was going to pass out. It, it stunned me so badly. And 
then uh, little by little I recovered. And uh, when I opened my eyes, really the glory of God had come in the tent. I believe it was because the faith of the people was awakened when they realized if I could survive a lightning blast, then the power of God was present there to do anything that needed to be done. About that time, a woman ran up to me. It was kind of a hobble and a run. She One leg was an inch and a half shorter than the other, and she had serious, severe scoliosis. You could see her spine twisted underneath her blouse. And she ran up to me, and that's exactly what she said. She said, if you can endure a lightning blast, you can pray the prayer of faith for me. And I've never seen anything any more powerful. I reached out to pray for her before my hand touched her forehead. The power of God gripped her and shook her from one end of this tent to the other, a tent that could seat about 400, 500 people. And when she came out from the anointing, every vertebrae in her back was straight. And then we laid hands on her leg, and her leg grew out instantly, and the whole audience saw it. And it was so absolutely provable. She could not wear her shoes anymore because one of her shoes was an elevator shoe, and she had to take it off in order to walk because if she kept wearing her shoes, it would tip her over. And uh, that was just a marvelous miracle, and it happened when – when I had no strength within myself to make it happen. Mike, I I want to get your brand new book in the people's hands as soon as possible. You've researched the Bible for two years, and you found the prayers that attracted identifiable supernatural results. Uh, So we have the brand new book, then your four CDs, which elaborate on the teaching that'll get them, get it not just in the head, but in the spirit that causes the supernatural results. And then those two prayers from Ephesians, I told you, that changed Kenneth Hagin's life forever. Uh, We have that on a Bible bookmark and the four CDs available for a gift of $40. And let me tell you, when, when you get a product like this, it not just pays for our air television time all over the world, but any profits that are made are poured into Jewish ministry. As I talk, I got an email from uh, a friend of ours uh, in Ukraine, and you know what's going on in Ukraine. Well, they got a hold of my book, Eyewitness, The Last Day on Earth. It's such a strong evangelistic book. It's been translated into Ukraine. They printed 10,000. And as we're talking right now, Mike, it's being distributed to Jews and Gentiles alike, especially to Jewish people in the nation of Ukraine. So anything above the $40 you can put in will be poured into Jewish ministry. And when we come back, uh, Mike, I I would like you to pray that prayer of Moses for people uh, that are listening to us right now. How would you like that prayer? Show me your way. Are you crying out to God right now? Show me your way. And how about the glory of God? That's part of the prayer, too. We'll be right back. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. 9-7. Hello, Sid Roth here, and I'm with Mike Shreve, and we're 
talking about his brand new book. It's called Powerful Prayers for Supernatural Results. And I can't wait for you to start praying these prayers. I mean, we saw what happened with the prayer of Jabez, how many people got supernatural results. Uh, Just a 32-word prayer. Uh, And then I told you about my friend Kenneth Hagin, how his ministry, which has affected the world, He's in heaven right now. But he said that he prayed at least a thousand times, and it was the turning point in his life, two prayers from the book of Ephesians. And we have that on a bookmark available to you so you can be praying that prayer. Uh, But Mike, I promised that you would pray the prayer of Moses over people right now. People want to know the way God wants them to walk. People say they don't even want to walk anywhere unless they have the glory of God upon them. That's what Moses said. Would you pray that now? Father, right now I pray for every person, every child of God listening to this broadcast, every son and daughter of God who has been saved by grace. Even as Moses said, Lord, if I found grace in your sight, show me your way. I'm asking that you supernaturally convey your divine design for every person that has grace applied to his or her life. Thank you for showing them your way. It's an, a, a way of proving that grace is really upon them. And not only uh, the divine design for their life, the will of God for their life, becoming more evident, but as Moses prayed, Lord, show me your glory. I'm asking you to pull back the veil and let the Shekinah glory of God manifest in every life of every believer in heightened supernatural experiences in their life. We're tired of church as usual, Lord. Let the glory of God abound in Jesus' name. In Yeshua's name, amen. And I'm telling you that someone that is hard of hearing or even deaf, your ear has just been opened, and someone whose back has, you have back problems, no more. Just stand up, bend over, you'll you'll see your hip, uh, someone with a bad hip, if you'll start walking. I'm going to tell you something, Mike. That prayer had so much glory over it, it kicked me into words of knowledge. There are people even right now with your fingers, you have arthritis or carpal tunnel. Uh, just move. You'll see. You're already healed. Now, tell it's so important, these prayers. The, uh, tell me about the prayer of Elijah. Well, Sid, the thing I felt while you were giving those words of knowledge— I felt the sweep of the glory of God over people's minds that are so confused, so tense, that they've been depending on antidepressants. And I just feel the glory of God is going to sweep the necessity of that out of their lives, and they're going to find calmness of mind, and and they're going to be able to endure the pressures of life without appealing to that. Well, I'm going to tell you, if the glory of God bounced off that prayer, imagine what will happen to his four CD series as he goes, uh, you really go into detail and the depth of what the Holy Spirit has shown you in these prayers. So it's not just in their mind. They're going to be praying spirit prayers from their spirit. Uh, But tell me about the prayer of Elijah. Oh, well, you just mentioned somebody with a deaf ear uh, being opened. Uh, The prayer of Elijah leads me up to a story about that. Now, Elijah, of course, was the pivot 
that revival turned on. He was the one man that stood for the truth in a generation, in a culture that had become apostatized. They were turning toward Baal worship. There were 850 false prophets of Baal. And then uh, when he faced off with those false prophets, he, he prayed a prayer that is found in 1 Kings chapter 18. He said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. That's the primary beginning point. So he identifies, you're not just any God, you're the God that we have history with. You're the God that manifested yourself to Abraham, you manifested yourself to Isaac, to Israel, to Jacob, and so you can do similar things here today by calling God the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You are, in essence, saying the God who took a dead body in a barren womb and produced a multitude without number uh, of Jewish offspring, he's going to respond to my prayer now. And then he said, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel. In other words, show your sovereignty, show your power, let it be known that you are mighty. And then he says, his third point is, or fourth point rather, he says, let it be known this day that I am your servant. And so I believe when we approach God in prayer, we should uh, rehearse before him that I am your servant. I'm I am uh, yielded to you, whatever your dictates are, I will follow them, and confirm that, Lord, by manifesting yourself through my life, that I, I live to serve you, I'm not living for myself. That's what Elijah said, let it be known this day that I am your servant. Then he said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known that I have done these things according to your word. What's he talking about? He had built an altar He'd put a sacrifice on it. He'd poured water on it. And he said, the God that answers by fire, let him be God. And he said, let it be known that I've done this according to your word. Now, we may not all get an uh, audible uh, communication from God telling us what to do, but we've got the Bible with 7,487 promises in it. So we can still use this approach when we pray and if I'm praying for a sick person, I say, God, I'm, I'm not just doing this out of my mind. In Exodus 15, 26, you said, I am the Lord who heals you. So I'm doing this according to your word. Even Jesus resorted to that when he prayed. He would say, it is written, it is written. Then the sixth point in Elijah's prayer, he said, hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God, you are Yahweh Elohim and that you have turned their hearts back again. And so, in essence, he said, it's not about me. It's all about them. It's about their needs. And when we pray, I think uh, that should be our focus. I'm not just praying for me. It's the, it's the multitude of people that need you desperately, God. And, and it's all about your kingdom manifesting in their lives. That's when the fire fell. And the people cried out, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. And it shifted Israel from the grips of idolatry and false deity worship to the true and the living God. Well, tell me, when you prayed an Elijah-type prayer, and it shifted a whole group of militant Hindus. It shook a city that to this day is uh, feeling the impact of what happened that night. I was the first Western missionary, they told me to hold a crusade within the city limits of Kumbakonam. Kumbakonam is a major Hindu center. Seven huge temples were in the town, some of which could house 
20,000 worshipers at a time. And our crusade grounds were right in the middle of all these huge temples. And I had about 5,000 Hindu people there that night. And I preached for an hour, mostly to people that had never heard the gospel before. And it was like plowing rocky ground. It was just so difficult to get across to them the whole essence of what the gospel was about. And toward the end of the meeting, I felt like I was under a barrage of demon spirits that were just converging on me and practically choking me where I couldn't even utter a word. It was uh, uh, very indescribable, the kind of pressure that I was under. I didn't know that part of the reason for that pressure is that there was a, a plot, a plan for my death that night. Six Hindu radicals, and most Hindu people are very gentle, kind, loving, tolerant people. But there were six Hindu radicals that had uh, had made a commitment that they were going to storm the platform, beat me up publicly, tie me to the bumper of their car, and drag me through the city until I was dead. Right at that point where they broke through the gate at the back of the platform, the word of the Lord had dropped on me, and I had just uttered an Elijah-like statement. I had told this crowd of people, God just spoke to me, bring the deaf, and if what I've preached to you is true, the deaf will hear. If, if Jesus is God, then your deaf ears will open. And they brought seven... Wait, wait, wait a second. I mean, it's easy for you to rattle that off right now, but when that was going on, you must have realized if the, if those deaf people didn't get their hearing, you'd be a dead man. Absolutely. Well, yeah, they, they, that whole night was hinging on whether or not God did it. But I did it by acting on a word that God gave me. God told me to call for the deaf, and he told me to challenge them in that Elijah-like way. Uh, and uh, yes, I trembled inside to do it because I knew... Uh, I knew it had to happen. Now, now, just out of curiosity, I get impressions from God, but every once in a while, it's almost like an audible voice. Uh, how was it with you? It was more like an audible voice. It was an old, it had a big, <laughs> undeniable thing that gripped me. And uh, they brought seven deaf people and, and said what God did in the next few minutes. I count the highlight of my entire ministry. It was the most amazing miracle that I think he's ever wrought. They brought seven deaf people. Four were totally deaf. And I got angry at the thought of just praying for someone with one deaf ear first. I said, bring me someone totally deaf. God was really in that decision. They brought me a 23-year-old young man that had been deaf for five years. I started praying for him. And right when I started praying for him, I heard this crunching, crashing sound I didn't know those Hindus with, with, had a sledgehammer, and they were knocking the padlock off the gate behind the platform. So I get distracted. I've still got my hands on the man's ears, and I turn around to look and see what's happening. And as I turned, the man jerked out of my hands and started screaming to the crowd that he could hear again. About that time, the gate swung open. These six radicals came running to me. And the head, the one out in front, the head of the group, stopped suddenly and looked wide-eyed at what was going on and walked over to this young man that was jumping up and down with joy. And he whispered in his ear, and he repeated it back, and whispered in his other ear, and he repeated it back. He shook his head with astonishment, called his men over, and they all checked him. 
I did not find out until the next day that the head of the radical Hindu group was the next door neighbor of that man that got healed. And so it, it just totally brought their plan to a standstill. And they stood there and watched as the next six people got their deaf ears open. And we had revival that night. About 500 Hindu people came forward and gave their hearts to the Lord. I am convinced when someone prays supernatural prayers written in the Word of God, that the prayers have gotten deep into their spirit. They're going to have the same types of results that the people, the heroes that of our faith had in the Bible. Tell me about this new book. Uh, explain what's in it. Well, it's called Powerful Prayers for Supernatural Results. And I picked out, I intentionally picked out the 10 most powerful prayers in the Bible. And the way I identified them as the most powerful prayers is they got the most miraculous, most uh, powerfully supernatural responses from God. And my thought was that whatever way those individuals, be it Hezekiah or Jehoshaphat or Jonah or Moses or Solomon, the way they approached God, that captured God's heart in such a powerful way, should be implemented into the way we approach God. So I took each prayer and broke it down into its elements, into what I call PowerPoints. And then I explain how we can use those same PowerPoints in our approach to God, and that we should expect similar results. Why don't we give me an example? Let's take the prayer of Jonah and give me a, a, a couple PowerPoints and some, uh, some examples. Well, the prayer of Jonah, the beginning of his prayer is primarily uh, expressing gratitude because God uh, delivered him. He said, out of the belly of hell I cried, Lord, hear my voice, and you heard me. And he said, the earth with her bars was over me forever. And so my personal belief is that Jonah's soul actually went down into Sheol. He went down into the underworld, and, and uh, he became all the more a symbol of Jesus rising from the dead, because uh, I believe he physically died, he drowned. But then, toward the end of Jonah's prayer, in Jonah chapter 2, he finally starts praying again. He's in, he's in the fish's belly, and he decides to pray again. And uh, he says three things. He says, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. That's very important. I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving, I will pay that which I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Bible said God spoke to the fish, and it vomited him out of his mouth. And the greatest recorded revival in history took place, an outbreak of revival so immense that from the king all the way down to the lowliest servant, all of Nineveh repented. We need to see some citywide revivals like that again. Uh, by the way, let me just P.S. When he said salvation is of the Lord, you know what the Hebrew word for salvation is? Yeshua, Jesus. That's right. Okay. How did this affect your dad's salvation? Oh, I'd delight to tell you this story, Sid. This is just so amazing. When I found the Lord, my, my father was a military man. I honor him for that. He was the captain of several destroyers and uh, very firm in who he was, moral man of integrity. 
And uh, when I became a fundamental Pentecostal charismatic Christian, he just really couldn't relate to it very well. And we got disconnected somewhat. It was hard for him to relate to the point where he said, if you come home, don't bring that uh, fundamental religion with you. And uh, so there was kind of a slight breach in our relationship. But uh, my mother, who was one of my first converts, my mother and I prayed, fasted. My mother went on a 40-day fast. We sought God for his salvation. And, and after um, 12 years, God did it in an amazing way. And the reason it ties in to the story of Jonah is because Jonah's first commitment, think of what Jonah's been through up to this point. But Jonah says, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving, the power of a thankful heart. My father, after 12 years, had this condition hit him where a vertebrae slipped out of his neck and he, he was locked in a bowed position. His head was bent over. No matter what he did, he couldn't get free from that. He finally checked into a hospital. He was laying there in bed with his head twisted over and bowed. And uh, he told me later on that night, he said, I couldn't get the television to work. There was nothing uh, going on in the room. I was bored. He said, I figured I'm already in the right position. I might as well pray. I said, that was a subtle hint from heaven, Dad. At the time, my father was an accountant, very detail-oriented. And he decided he was going to thank God. Now, remember, he's not even asking to be saved. He's never been born again. But he decided he was going to thank God for every blessing and every benefit that he'd ever received in life. He went back to his earliest memories. It took him two hours, two hours to thank God for every blessing, every benefit that had ever come his way. And he told me, weeping. Later that night, he said, Mike, you won't believe what happened to me after two hours. I said, oh, yes, I will. I've been praying for you for 12 years, Dad. He said, while I was, after I finished thanking God, he said, I ran out of things to thank him for, so I decided just to praise God because he's God. And I thought to myself, that's a biblical principle, Dad. You enter into his gates with thanksgiving, enter into his courts with praise. He said, and while I was praising God, a golden light came into the hospital room. The face of Jesus appeared in the light, bloodied and beaten and crowned with thorns. And then the golden light turned to a crimson red, and waves of red light started pouring over him. And he said, I knew, Mike, I knew I was being bathed in the blood of Jesus, and I knew I was being born again. And he was a changed man from that day forward, all because he used Jonah's approach. He just decided to Thank God for every well, good thing God had done. Well, these 10 prayers that changed the world forever. I want to get the book in your hand, Powerful Prayers for Supernatural Results, plus the bookmark that has the two prayers from the book of Ephesians that literally birthed Kenneth Hagin's major, major impact for the kingdom of God on earth. He prayed that those prayers over a thousand times till he got his breakthrough. And then I want to get the four CD set of teaching on these prayers and how to implement it and how to get it deep in your spirit available for a gift of $40 and anything more that you pour into this ministry. We are debt free. And I told you that, I, I mean, I'm, I, I'm beside myself. We're on the air twice a day 
on secular television in the entire nation of Ukraine, in the Ukrainian language. The Jewish people there are going through atrocious anti-Semitism, and 10,000 Ukrainian booklets have just been printed, and they're being distributed as we speak. It's one of the best evangelistic tracts I ever designed. It's called Eyewitness, Last Day on Earth. So anything above the 40 will be poured into Jewish ministry. When we come back, I want to talk about New Covenant prayers that change the world forever. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697, Sid Roth here with Mike Shreve. And Mike, I promised our people that you would talk about prayers that change the world forever. Absolutely. There are prayers that transformed this entire world when they came forth from the mouths of God's people. Uh, One I'd like to mention is, of course, the pivotal prayer that ushered us into the new covenant. It was the shout of praise that heralded the coming of Jesus to Jerusalem on that day of triumphant entry. Seemingly just a simple prayer, but profound results came from it. Because the crowd shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Very simple prayer. However, in Hebrew, and, and, uh, and this is where it gets rich, the word for Hosanna is Hoshiana, and that means save, Lord, we beseech you. And it, uh, it can be found in Psalm 118. Uh, save, Lord, we beseech you, was a prayer for the Messiah to come and rescue them. I asked a dear Jewish friend one time, why Hosanna is a shout of praise, and the interpretation of it is a request, because it means, Lord, save, I beseech you. And he said, you don't understand the intricacies of Hebrew. I said, no, I don't. He said, it is a request, but it's a request in full expectation of performance. He said, and this was his way of putting it, he said, it's kind of like a wife saying to her husband, you will take the garbage out, won't you? (laughs) She fully expects it to come to pass. So they were shouting, Hosanna, which means save, Lord, we beseech you. And in response to their prayer, the first thing he saved them from was the manipulative control of hypocritical people that were taking advantage of sincere worshipers. He overturned the tables of the money changers. But then he went much further with it. He went to the cross where he saved us all from sin. He saved us from the ravages of this world and from the curse of death. Then he descended into the grave and he conquered the grave. He conquered hell because he descended into the lower parts of the earth to save us from the curse that would have swallowed us up eternally. And then, of course, he rose from the dead and ascended back to the throne, not only to save us, but to save the whole world from the curse that would, uh, would have enveloped the world anyway. And so the creation itself will be delivered or saved from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. And so all of that resulted from a crowd of worshipers shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Well, they actually paved the way with prayer for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Yes. I mean, you can't get much better than that. How would that help 
someone today praying that prayer? I use that prayer all the time. In fact, when I say Hosanna in the highest, which is also found in the Bible, you're saying, Lord, save me to the highest degree possible for God to save a human being. And uh, I think it's one of the most powerful worship words the Holy Spirit's given us. And so uh, I, I would encourage people to shout that over themselves right now, wherever they're listening. If they're in the car, keep your eyes on the road. But if you're in the car or in your bedroom or somewhere else listening to this broadcast, you've got a cancer in your body, you've got heart trouble, lay your hand on that part of your body and shout, Hosanna in the highest. Uh, pray that right now as a prayer for those that are sick, that have put their hand on their body right now. Yes, Father, in the name of Jesus, we agree together. We come to you with the same shout of praise. We're not asking you to heal us. We're thanking you for healing us by shouting Hosanna to the highest. And I thank you for hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of miracles right now, because if Hosanna could take you through death, hell, and the grave and bring you out resurrected, then I believe you are resurrecting those that have been in the grits of sickness and infirmity. And we just shout Hosanna in the highest all over the globe right now. We shout Hosanna in the highest, and we expect it to come to pass. Why don't you select a prayer that Jesus interceded for us, like in John 17? Well, I think every believer should prayerfully meditate on John 17, because uh, Jesus is the great high priest who ever lives to make intercession for us. But he didn't wait until he got to heaven to start interceding. He interceded for the entire church to come in John chapter 17. In fact, there's a line in there where he said, Father, I pray not only for these, but for those you have given me out of the world. And that covered the whole new covenant era that was yet to come. And then he prayed some key things. And of course, I don't have time to go into all of them. But he said, uh, he, he prayed, first of all, he said, Father, the words you've given me, I have given them. And the glory you've given me, I have given them. And then toward the end of the prayer, he said, uh, he said, uh, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. He said that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be one in us. He said, Father, uh, the love wherewith, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. And so he prayed that he would be able to dwell in the hearts of his believers, and they would receive the Word of God, receive the glory of God. They would be made perfect in oneness with the Father. That's exactly what happened at Pentecost. It happened It, 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 it happened. What 50 days later. The Holy Spirit rushed in the upper room. The glory came that he prayed would come, and he entered into the hearts of 120 believers. So Jesus actually prayed Pentecost into taking place, and uh, we should be claiming it so that we can have our own private Pentecost in our own personal lives. Now, there are two prayers I've been talking about this entire hour, and they came from Dr. Kenneth E. Hagen. Uh, it was prayers that uh, he said with his very mouth. It was the turning point in his life, and it came from a Ephesians. Tell us a little bit about them. Well, I agree with that 100%. Uh, 
about two years ago, God showed me that every prayer in the Bible, and they're primarily in the New Testament, in Paul's writings, where an individual like Paul prayed for a church, it was not just confined to that, because holy men of God wrote the Bible as they were moved upon by the Holy Spirit. So that was not just Paul praying for the Ephesians, that was the Holy Spirit praying through Paul for the entire church that existed then and all that would ever be a part of the church, both Jew and Gentile, in the future. And so this is key, that we should read those prayers not just in an informational way, but a revelational way. We should receive that prayer as if it's a prayer, Holy Spirit-inspired prayer, that it has already been prayed over me. And so as I read it, I say, I receive that, Lord. I accept that. Now, you challenged me before uh, we did these programs to focus my attention back on these prayers, and I did, and I'm going to tell you what happened in just a few minutes. It was powerful just a couple days ago. I have been claiming Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. I can't go into all of it, but it's where Paul said, I pray that uh, the Father of glory will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you might know the hope of your calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power, and every name that is named. And so Paul prayed that we would know the hope of our calling, the greatness of God's power that was demonstrated in the resurrection, and that the eyes of our understanding would be open. Well, for the past couple of weeks, I've been saying, I received that, Lord. I received that power into my life and my ministry that was the same power evidenced in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And just yesterday, or day before yesterday, I saw something I haven't seen in a long, long time in my ministry. I preached at a teen challenge close by, and there was a young man there. The whole side of his face was smashed in. I don't know if he was beat up or in a car wreck or what, but he was blind in one eye, deaf in the other, in in one of his ears on that side. And uh, we prayed for him, uh, a prayer of authority, prayed as oracles of God, commanding that eye to open, commanding that ear to open. He started shouting and praising God because that eye opened. He started seeing perfectly. That place came apart at the scenes. They were, they were ecstatic that God had worked the miraculous in their midst. And I believe uh, that it's because I've been claiming this prayer as an intercession of the Holy Spirit over my life. Well, I told you that Dr. Kenneth Hagen, he started Rhema Bible College. Uh, he, he explained how faith operates. He's one of the true teachers of how faith operates. And he said the revelations that were poured out into him, just like the miracles that happened to you, came from praying these two prayers from Ephesians over and over. He prayed it over a thousand times, and then he had that spiritual breakthrough. So that's why we have this bookmark, which has the two prayers Dr. Kenneth Hagin prayed from uh, the book of Ephesians, and I want you to put that in your Bible. 
Bible, and I want you to pray that over a thousand times, and I want you to get the new book. It's called Powerful Prayers for Supernatural Results. I mean, Mike Shreve spent two years researching the prayers from the Bible. He wanted to find prayers that attracted identifiable supernatural responses from God. And in the times we're living in right now, you don't even have to be a prophet to know that there are tough times coming uh, to the nations of the world. But that doesn't mean they have to be tough for you, because when you move, launch into the, the deep you're going to get a catch of fish, even though you've been praying for the last year and not had any. You're going to, just as Mike just said, he just has been praying that prayer for a short while, and he had major healing breakthroughs. So we want to get the book, the four-CD set of his teaching on the 10 prayers that changed the world forever, and the bookmark available for a gift of $40. And I have to tell you that anything you can put in beyond that $40 will be poured into Jewish ministry. I mean, it's, it's hard for me to comprehend this. We are on secular television in the Ukrainian language twice a day. Throughout the nation of Ukraine, I I mean, there's no telling the effect with the problems that are going on in that nation. And then I just found out that 10,000 of our most evangelistic booklets, there's so many Jewish people in Ukraine, and anti-Semitism is an all-time high. But when you're pouring money into this ministry, things like I'm telling you about— will take place. Uh, 10,000 of these books in the Ukrainian language are being passed out as I'm speaking to you right now. Mike Shreve, last word. I'd like to pray the prayer of 1 Peter 5.10 over all your listeners, because this is a prayer that we can also pray. And incidentally, one of the CDs in that package is a CD devoted to this revelation of the Holy Spirit-inspired prayers that we can claim. Peter said, May the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Lord, out in, throughout this country and throughout this world where this broadcast is being listened to, there's people suffering. But I claim this Holy Spirit-inspired prayer, 1 Peter 5.10, released their direction right now that you will make them perfect, you will establish them, you will strengthen them, you will settle them. They will come out of this trial. They will emerge victorious because, Holy Spirit, you've already interceded that over your church. And I claim it done, I count it done in the name of Yeshua. And according to the Word of God, I tell you, the Lord has already blessed you. The Lord has already surrounded you with his love. The Lord has already healed you. The Lord has already done everything he'll ever do for you 2,000 years ago. And as you meditate on the most supernatural, result-oriented prayers in the Bible, I tell you it'll become real. In Yeshua's name I pray. Amen. Ye'er Adonai Panevelecha 
about what separates us. Day after day, we go about our lives with tunnel vision, but scripture tells us how Messiah broke down the wall between Jew and Gentile, allowing for the creation of one new man, one new humanity. This spiritual completeness is set to usher in the greatest move toward God the world has ever known. Log on to SidRoth.org today and learn how one new man is the key to unlocking God's greatest blessings. To place a credit card order for today's offer, call anytime at 1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697. Or log on to our website at www.sidroth.org. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. Discover how you can begin watching for free our 24-hour, 7-day-a-week TV network, ISN, the It's Supernatural Network. You can write me at Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. That's Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.